Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Do you think we should encourage all of the book club listeners this month to listen to this podcast while in their closets also? Yeah, hop into the closet, have the true radio in in isolation experience. (laughs) From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and you are listening to the Nerdette Book Club. It's just like a normal book club, except we're all talking about the same book while sitting on the floors of our closets. I assume, are you sitting on the floor? I am sitting on a floor. Could you hear that in my... No, but I just just am and was projecting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I am here with Lulu Miller, whose work you've probably heard either on the NPR show Invisibilia or on Radiolab or maybe This American Life. She also just happened to write an amazing book that just came out recently. It's called Why Fish Don't Exist. Lulu, hey. Hello. The longtime Nerdette fan you left out of my biography. (laughs) Um, But seriously, man. That's very kind of you to say. You got in this space early and gave us a place to like for our hearts to fill. Oh, I still so think sweet. about my favorite, I think, is the Caitlin Moran interview. Oh, anyway, but God, that I one like so quietly much. changed my right? life where she was oh. like, pop culture changes things faster than politics. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, so, so very happy to be here on the floor, like a mile away. For, so close, but so far. So close and yet so far. At least we're both on the floor. I like that. Um, I do want to say quickly, um, sadly, Sarah Vowell, who we had announced as a third panelist, isn't going to be able to be with us after all. She is fine. But we are going to be hearing from some of you, which I'm really excited about. We got some really good listener voicemails that we'll listen to. So this month we are talking about You Never Forget Your First. It's a George Washington biography by Alexis Coe. Um, This is normally where we do a spoiler warning. um, But I don't know, like, are spoilers really a thing when you're discussing a biography? Like, spoiler alert, he dies at the end? I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) Spoiler alert, he becomes president. Exactly. He does win. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of many, many years ago now I was talking to my dad about how excited I was about the seventh Harry Potter book coming out because, you know, I was really mm-hmm. excited to see what happened at the end of that series. And he goes, you know, I feel the same way about the Robert Caro biography of Lyndon B. Johnson. And I was like, that is not the same thing at all, Dad. (laughs) I also got so much cred with my father-in-law. Yes. We distance saw them because they live nearby and books came up and I was like, well, I'm reading a, a, biog- a new biography of George Washington and his little eyes perked up and I saw like my, my his opinion of me skyrocket. It's all about the dad cred sometimes, you know? Yeah. Okay. So if you're listening, you might be like, really? A George Washington biography? Is that what the world needs right now? And I think that's a really fair question. And it's something I actually got to ask Alexis last week when I interviewed her. Let's listen to her explain that a little bit and then we'll unpack it some more. When I got to the end of George Washington biographies, I didn't, I almost felt farther away from him. And I felt like 
are these men in cahoots? And they were always men. They, it just seemed like everyone took an oath. Like, okay, we're going to start out. We're going to declare him too marble to be real. And then we're going to end up by saying, you know, um, he, he did this great thing. He emancipated his slaves. Let's just fast forward through all those details. For one, I really love that she used the word cahoots because we should all be using that word more often. <laughs> but, you know, I think she brings up a really good point and it does kind of help set the tone for this book, which is essentially kind of shining a light on some of the like nooks and crannies of George Washington's life that maybe aren't super glamorous, that maybe haven't been told with as much, I don't know, attention as they should have been before. You think that's a fair way of putting it, Lulu? I totally do. And it's not like it's just shining light on... He did these horrific things. It's like, here's some super subtle, complex things he did um, that maybe you just haven't heard about. And 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 I, I, yeah, I, I, I thought it was really neat in that way of what she chose to focus on. Well, in some ways, it's sort of it's like an exploration of the gray areas, right? It totally is. And like even showing but not not this sort of you know she she talks in the introduction about how when people heard she was writing about Washington they would say oh are you writing about his marital life mm-hmm. or his you know his his the role ladies. as a father or something yeah. and she's like no this i'm just a woman who's writing a biography and she talks about you know she talks about battles and she talks about acts and proclamations and all the stuff but she also talks about the interesting ways that like war is this is a phrase actually from another historian that she mentions, Erica Dunbar, but like how war is won and lost off the battlefield in many mm-hmm. ways and the importance of the the strategic things going on through diplomacy and letters and gossip. And um, that was fascinating. Like she, she trails that stuff and un- unfurls it in a really kind of gripping Ooh, way. Unfurl is such a perfect word for it. Like the flag that's not oh. actually, that wouldn't have existed in the crossing of the Delaware. <laughs> but is in the painting. Hot <laughs> moments. There's like f- historical fun facts. Every, yes. sec- every yes. other And subject. I want to get okay, into some of the fun facts. Before we get into anything else, I do think we really need to discuss this cover because it's like a real piece of art. And Lulu, I actually, can I put you on the spot and ask you to to describe what, what Descri- we're looking at? Here? Yes, I'm staring at it. And I'm glad because I do think listeners need to picture it. So <laughs> wash it. it's called You Never Forget Your First. Wink, wink. And uh-huh. he is raising an uh-huh. eyebrow and like popping his collar as though <laughs> encouraged by the title. Like it feels like you ju- like you have just he's proud that he's just like bedded you I, or the way he's looking at you an eyebrow is raised. I mean, and it's very soft. Like it, there's lots of warm. T- I mean, one of the things she talks about early on is how many there's like really only one or two portraits that the biographies usually use. And they're very marble and um, mm-hmm. cold. And this is like the warm tones are accentuated. His 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 cheeks are rosy. His hair is soft. His the ruffles on his clothes are really soft. Like it's this kind of cocky humorous it's definitely meant to be like it has a satire feel almost like you could imagine this is actually a book of comedic essays um but it's a totally different way in um and i think it's really i think it really works yeah it's personally it is such a fun cover like yeah his level of like swagger is not too much like it's just enough yeah it's not i know like the way i describe that feels like violent and aggressive but it's like a it's very tongue-in-cheek the whole thing is like that with the title and his look it's so over the top that it's tongue in cheek and and therefore to me really intriguing and just such a different take. Yes. Okay. So this is normally the part of the book club with fiction where we go through all the plot points. 
And I think mm-hmm. it is kind of worth to at least do some like broad brush strokes around Washington and his life. And so I wrote down okay. some major bullet points. You can tell me what I missed. Um, oh, God. First I'm, off, I have. Okay, I'm not going to be able to, but. <laughs> <laughs> He's born to a single mother. Yes. He takes a teenage trip to Barbados. Mm-hmm. Which turns out to be like the farthest he ever leaves from home. Uh, when he's about 20, he joins the army. And that's when he's actually fighting on behalf of the British in the French-Indian War. Uh, he retires from the army. He marries Martha Custis, who's like a foot shorter than he is, which is irrelevant, but somehow still very interesting. <laughs> um, at that point, he becomes a gentleman farmer, does some politics stuff, inherits Mount Vernon right before he turns 30. Um, and then he... Like for the American Revolution, he ends up being appointed commander in chief of the Continental Army. And that's in 1775, which is, you know, pretty big year for us. Um, (laughs) He's not elected president until 1789 after the Constitution is ratified. And then he's reelected four years later and he refuses a third term, which is like why we have a two term precedent in the United States. Um, after that, he hangs out at Mount Vernon and he dies when he's 67. Those are sort of like my broad points that I thought were at least worth yeah. mentioning at the top. Yeah, to- that that was actually really helpful for me, too, though I just read the book. <laughs> um, and yeah, the, I mean, the only other one I'd fill in where I was like, oh, yeah, kind of related to, you know, the single mom. Like he was very out of high society. He was on the other side and a lot of his childhood was spent sort of trying to get into yeah. it and and like he had this outsider status um so you know yeah son of a single mom just slightly less obviously connected in certain ways but um that was really interesting to see that yeah it's that a good point and it was kind of funny to read it because I remember there was a point where I was sort of like oh this is this is very like this feeds into all of those like bootstrap stories you know that we hear about mm. Especially white men being like, well, I managed to hoist myself up. And, you know, it's like there is truth in that. But it's also like, yeah, it's interesting to see that in here for sure. The thing it made me think about is um, that maybe that helped him. Okay, this is going to be a slight weird connection, but I've met. So as a psychology reporter, I've met quite a few psychologists. Man, I really thought you were going to say psychopaths, and I was so excited. Oh, as a psychopath as well. <laughs> um, as, but like I've met, okay, th- I'm going to land this plane. Yeah, I'm going to do yeah, quick. No, I'm into it. But I've met quite a few psychologists who are autistic and who realized they were autistic later in their life. Um, but then retrospectively, we're like, oh, that's why I was so fascinated in studying human behavior huh. like a text, because I wanted to crack it to understand how to do it better. These things that are intuitive to a lot of people they wanted to study. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then that makes me, I just had the little thought with Washington of like, because he was such an outsider to high society and he had to actively study it. And mm-hmm. that maybe that's actually like forcing himself to make visual and concrete to himself, those rules and those ways, um, maybe helped him as a strategist. Like there were all these moments and we could talk about those later, but that where he'd like, he plays on people's emotions and connections to get political gains in in very like super skilled 
borderline manipulative ways. And it just made, I wondered if that's because he spent so much time aggressively studying how people get ahead because he wasn't there. Oh, I love that. So that was my, that was my armchair psychologist. Read. I mean, that's pretty awesome. And I would love to talk about that more, but I think first we should listen to a voicemail from a reader named Nicole. Hi, internet. It's Nicole from Slate, Ohio. I just finished, you never forget your first last night. And I found the book to be super refreshing. It was nice to read about a founding father from a different lens. I also like that Co was, um, she was really upfront about it at the beginning, which was great. You didn't have to try to decipher what her angle was in the book, which I really, really liked. I also like that there wasn't like a ton of like detail about like all the battles of the war and stuff. I don't tend to find that very interesting. And so I liked that she just kind of put a lot of that sort of stuff in charts. Um, all in all, I really enjoyed the book. Um, I love Nerdette Book Club. I'm so glad we're doing this. Um, I hope you have a great day. Bye. I thought that one was battles and charts, battles and charts, <laughs> which I also was really delighted by until I thought about it a little more and then I got a little worried because I think there is also the argument to be had that like, you know, I mean, obviously these battles were a super huge part of his life. And if if this is a feminist rendering of Washington's life and we're skipping over the battles, are we just reinforcing gender stereotypes that like the feminists don't care about the battles? Right. Okay. so you warned me battles and charts. Mm -hmm. Could that be a problem? (laughs) Yeah. What do you think? And I was like, there's still a lot of battle in here. Like, I was, <laughs> I was like, I, I, I like the listener Nicole was was comfortable with the amount of battle. Um, and, and I didn't think that they were they were in charts, but they were totally given. I mean, I feel like their their beginnings and their ends and slight corrections on our memories of them. Interesting strategic details were included i mean i'm sure for like a biography buff a war buff this era buff they they would maybe say it's like more your angle of just it's preposterously small but for introducing new audiences to caring about this moment in history and this person um actually didn't find them as erased as i was thinking they might be going into it so i i was good with the with the proportion oh good i helped you modify expectations and then it totally worked (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) We had also plotted that maybe it would be fun to do some Washington fun facts. Oh, yeah. Well, wait, actually, let me begin. Can we begin that with um, I brought some props? (laughs) Yes, by all means. Tell me more. Well, first of all, I just thought to like set the mood. I was well, do you know what? Can you tell what this is? Oh, are those quarters? (laughs) (laughs) I have a quarter. Um, I was going to bring a dollar bill, but then I like looked all over and I was like, I don't have any dollar bills. Um, also, they're not as good for radio. Quarters are much better. Yeah. So this is the way we often interface with him every day in our back pocket. Just this like profile with no. Yeah, he almost feels Greek. Etched in metal. Like it's just yeah, no. So point. contrasting. OK, so that prop. But here's the one I'm really excited about. OK, so n- normally giant faux pas for radio, but I'm going to um, I have a warm thing on a plate here can you guess what it is <laughs> i'm cutting into it right now oh my god i want to hear you chew Do it you know and what it i'll is? guess what it is based on the chewing okay. sounds all right here we go this is i'm taking my first bite of it live for you mm. is it good mm. can you describe what it tastes mm-hmm. like will that help me figure it out <laughs> while your mouth it's is full sweet. <laughs> it's sweet it's sweet it's 
swimming in butter and honey. Oh my God, it's a hoe cake. Swimming. It's a hoe cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's my first fun fact. George Washington was crazy about hoe cakes. Like, man ate a hoe cake, man ate a plate of hoe cakes similar to a pancake. But with cornmeal, right? With cornmeal, cornmeal yeah. Um, every morning. So mine is not a historically accurate hoe cake because I didn't have time to get it together. But she includes a recipe and it in- involves waiting at like the exact recipe he had at Mount Vernon, but you have to wait overnight and I'm not that prepared. So this is kind of just a pancake, but it's swimming in butter and honey. <laughs> and it's really it. good. You but he, That's amazing. He, he had that like every morning. And there's just something there just, again, that speaks like, in this tiny little way, it's just like the odd detail where you're like picturing this president eating pancakes every morning. And it's like this odd, tiny decadence built in every day. Anyway, OK, that was one of my fun That's facts. That's a really fun fact. Do you, you know, you um, can I tell you one of my fun facts? One of my favorite things yes. about George Washington? Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. I thought the charts at the beginning were just like hilarious and great and such a cool way to sort of like distill a bunch of strange things about Washington into just a couple pages. Um the the diseases oh my god our land was plagued so intense and amazing um and this chart is just so good like when he was 44 he had a cheek erosion from gum abscess and then the symptoms are she just writes exactly what it sounds like (laughs) which i love (laughs) but my favorite thing about it was that the treatments for all of these things practically is just draining Which I partly really like because as a person who recently strangely somehow managed to get an infection under her fingernail, draining is really important. (laughs) So did you self-drain in self-isolation? Oh, yeah, I sure did. Yeah. And I ended up, I did call my doctor about it. And she was like, yeah, as long as it's draining, it's good. You just really don't want to go to immediate care to get it drained. And I was like, man, I really do not want to be the person during the global pandemic with an infected fingernail who has to go to immediate care to get this very tiny abscess trained <laughs> you're reminding me last night as i was reading the again spoiler alert harrowing <laughs> death scene um it's so intense it's so it's it's so intense um there was so much ineffectual training there bloodletting <laughs> there was so much yeah. misguided bloodletting um oh my god and it yeah. made me want to google i was like oh i'm gonna google but then i never did but now i'm remembering i was trying to look up like does bloodletting help for anything like was there any is there any scientific evidence of the usefulness of bloodletting I don't know for sure. Are you going to look it up? Maybe we can report back on it. Because if I start going down this rabbit hole as someone fascinated by the history of science, I will not come up for a decade. <laughs> Did bloodletting have bennies? CBS News. Okay, we'll follow up. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> um, what's another favorite thing you got? Oh, well, the, the teeth. Should we talk about the teeth? You know what? Let's talk about the teeth right after this break. Mm, look at that. <laughs> Did you like it? That was I felt great. Good about that throw. <laughs> I'm using this moment to eat another bite of my hoe cake off my. Oh, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of teeth. <laughs> Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. 
Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Okay, so let's talk about the teeth. This is one of the biggest myths around Washington, which when I talked to Alexis, she said that was a really big reason why she wanted to write this. Really? Was that part of what drew her in? Well, I mean, it was just like, it's like the teeth and the cherry tree and the can never tell a lie are like the three things that we all think we know about Washington. Yeah. But it seemed like a big part of kind of how she pitched the book initially was like, what more do you know beyond that? Yeah. And is that stuff even true? So then to really be intentional, and she does very early on kind of like unpack those three things. Yeah. Right. So So yeah, what do we learn about the teeth? So she says there's likely no chance they were ever wooden because let's talk about how wooden teeth how much wooden teeth wouldn't work (laughs) um god and the way she describes the fact that they would like swell in your mouth because they're wet yeah like that just sounds so and then just like rot because they're organic matter you know like um and so Mm -hmm. she said that she called it i believe she said that there was evidence that it was a mix of teeth from hippopotami and mm-hmm. other animals i can't remember if it's their teeth or their bones whittled down ivory um and from from enslaved people and she called it a poacher's smile um Ooh. and she yeah. would this the enslaved people he would buy them he would like purchase mm-hmm. their teeth at a very low rate um but just oh, there's something so or is this something so horrific about that yeah yeah, they're really, I mean, just like, it's it's horrific in on its own, and the, like, symbolic yes. horror is also very real. It's also just really intense to think about any kind of dentistry happening in the 1700s. Yeah, I agree. That was, like, a very, a very jarring image, just physically and metaphorically. Okay, one quick fun fact is the amount of espionage and of invisible ink jag tangent was... <laughs> delightful and intriguing i did really love the invisible ink stuff yeah well and that does speak to another one of those myths that she was really intentional about taking down was that like no washington could lie just fine and that was such a huge part of how we won that war was just like being sneaky and writing stuff in invisible ink like that's amazing yeah the the whole i mean the whole history i didn't know this maybe i learned it and i forgot it but the way she tells about it the his use of the Brits rape of Abigail Parker. Yes. I had not heard about that at all either. Yeah. So there was this whole moment and where he, you know, as co-writes about it, likely all the soldiers were probably raping women. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, this one case of a young farmer's daughter, essentially who was, who was raped by a bunch of British soldiers. Washington helped to like really publicize that to vilify the Brits and this kind of like, oh, we've been commodifying the 
abuse of women for, you know, for political gains. There was just something yeah. like I was shocked to see it, but then not shocked. Like there was just something like, oh, wow, it's amazing that they would care. And then it just quickly was like, oh, but it's yeah. just being used for political gain. Did they actually care? Yeah, I did think that was that was a really interesting moment in terms of really bringing to light, I think, what Co was trying to do with this book, too, you know, and just the idea of like making sure that those kinds of stories about like, you know, a farmer's daughter who's been raped are actually just as much part of the conversation as, you know, Thomas Jefferson or whatever. I and think part of how really part of powerful. how he's gaining support, like it is a it's it's a real mm -hmm. part of the the battle to kind of win the support of people who might otherwise want a mutiny. Like it's part of the battle and all this stuff, it adds up. Like the, you know, another one was the publication of this poem by Phyllis Wheatley, who is and had been an enslaved woman. Oh, yeah. And she sort of wrote this poem, which essentially at one point, like says something nice about Washington. And he's like, we should publish it. And he writes to someone, he's like, but I shouldn't, cause that'll look vain, hint, hint. And then, yep. and so he kind of, he he's like saying there's black support to also you know maybe win the hearts of people who you know in the north or or soldier or, you know or, you know like enslaved people who might otherwise join the british army they, so it's just all these little things where it, it's not just the one sentence of this poem gets published but all the background maneuvering behind it and what it could mean yeah. and just how much of that was going on so that stuff was really interesting to me yeah, no, it is super interesting. I wonder, one thing that I found surprising is the fact that the Constitution was like very, like maybe a paragraph worth of stuff. Hmm. How did that make you feel? I think I skimmed that part. <laughs> I don't think I that read that. I don't think that lodged. Uh, tell me I more. I was just, I was surprised that this massive document that, like, you know, is the the cornerstone of what is arguably the most effective democracy that we've ever had in all of human history that he helped create didn't have more of a central role in this story. Mm -hmm. I found surprising because it was just like, wait, whoa. And I think especially thinking about the time between like 1776 and, you know, the Constitution wasn't ratified until 89. So yeah. it's like what was or maybe it was 87. But still, like, that's a big chunk of time that we don't often talk about in terms of like what was everybody doing and how much arguing was there about like what needed to happen and what America should look like. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've read a couple of reviews since then that have really highlighted the fact that like the author is intentionally picking the moments that nobody else has really talked about. Mm -hmm. And so I think to that end, it makes sense because like, I'm sure I could read any number of like very intensely researched books about the Constitution. Right. It was just kind of like a surprising moment, I thought, where I was just like, oh, we're just not. OK, we're okay. just not going there. Like, did you feel like that was like maybe you did want more? Do you feel like that was too much of a reduction? Yeah, I think I would have liked it. But I don't know. I think to that end, like I, I think what this wasn't was a book about sort of like what it means to be American, what it meant to be American then and what it means to be American now. 
which I think especially now in these very strange times is something that I'm hungry for. And like, it's okay that this was not that book. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting to read it and realize that that's something that I am curious about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that there's, I mean, there's so much, you know, and she looks, she does look really sort of square eyedly. That's not a expression. <laughs> I like square eyedly. <laughs> okay. She looks square eyedly. She confronts very straightforwardly um, the hypocrisy in Washington. And I think that stuff is important, like just how totally. he's continually promised, you know, dedicated to liberty, but enslaving over 100 people and continually promising to free them, but not quite ever making the moves to do it yeah. and supposedly emancipating them in their death. But then with the little footnote in his will that they go until Martha dies and then in her will she doesn't emancipate them so that kind yeah. of stuff matters i think to know you know it just it's like she's not doing a takedown of him like she's just really showing everything i mean what i will say is that having talked to her she talked about how a lot of people have characterized this book as irreverent hmm, really and her yes and her response was well better that than reverent that's because cool. You know, like her argument is that most biographies, especially of Washington, do really revere him as this like larger than life character. And I think she did want to look at him square eyedly. Yeah, she wanted to look square, square eyedly. Um, that's a great <laughs> response. I mean, my response was like, did you read past the introduction? You know, because I think the she slams yes. you with the title, the cover and the intro is very like that, 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 like jokes, yeah. jokes, you know, takes, takes. But then it. Then it got it gets actually a little more sober than I was expecting. Like it, it does, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think if you read it through, the word you would not you. I don't. I wouldn't use irreverent at all. I wouldn't use reverent. That's true, but yeah. So let's listen to another voicemail. This is from my friend Amy, who actually sent in uh, six voicemails <laughs> while she was yeah, reading yeah. this book. A lot of updates, um, but we've chosen the last one to listen to. So here it is. Well, I finished the book, and I sort of wish I had read it rather than listening to it, because it sounds like there are a lot of charts and things that were being read to me that <laughs> might have had a different or better impact had I actually had the opportunity to read them or see them instead. Um, so I think that that's a personal <laughs> kind of choice that I should have thought about earlier. Um, but I, I think it all comes down to the same issue of... Being told someone was good at his job and told that there are things I should like about him, but not actually getting the chance to see them or at least see them in enough of a way that they overcome the negative aspects that we really focus on through a lot of this book. I do think it's important that we get that sort of well-rounded perspective on George Washington, and I'm guess that leads me to say I'm glad this book exists. Um, but I don't know that I would say that I enjoyed it because I think we actually did not spend enough time getting to know the redeeming aspects of his character and the good and important work he had done. I think that's a really interesting argument. And I think, I guess that's kind of what I wonder when it comes to the stuff like the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, yeah. you know, like yeah. he was monumental in like some really, really important stuff. Yeah. And I think maybe if 
if we had gotten a little more of how he contributed to those ideas, it it might have worked a little better for me. Yeah. And I think I'm just the perfectly wrong reader to know what I'm missing. And I think, <laughs> no, like it would be interesting. That is perfect. You're not going to do a nerd at two on this. But like if we had three dads, <laughs> you know, like what what did we what did we uh but but yeah, I take that point. And and I think I realized that like in her care, I actually might be interested. I could have taken a little more on the monumental stuff. And that's fair to say, like it, it did just maybe omit so much. But then it starts to you put that in and it's going to be like, you know, its length was really nice. It was 200 pages. That's true. Yeah, it was kind of perfect. Uh, so we like to do a book rating. Oh, uh, and okay. it's always different based on the book. Yeah. And this time around, we figured we should do uh, like epaulette stars, you know, <laughs> as you would. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay, great. And it turns out uh, we did some fact checking. Washington's rank is extremely confusing. Uh, it turns out posthumously, it was ordered that no one could ever outrank him. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know, like five stars, six stars, five stars. We're going to do a five star system. That seems like the most potentially okay. standard. Yes. So out of five stars, what do you think? Like I would give the first third of it like 4.5. And then it kind of, for me, it did feel a little bit, it started to feel a little bit like a slog because of my own slight disinterest in this era of history. So then it would maybe bump down to like a 3.75. I'm really glad you're taking advantage of those non-existent decimal mm-hmm. stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, because I, I feel like I have a profound, I don't want to rate it too low because like, yes, there were moments I was a little bored and I looked out my window and was like, I would rather be out in my yard. But, <laughs> but like, I think it's really hard. Like, I so appreciate what she's doing and just as a historian, like trying to get people to care and to make this stuff riveting and to shine lights on things that have been omitted so like this is not a heart like she 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 really had me for the first third and just because of my own interest it, it fell off a little for me but I don't want to penalize it too much because I'm a like a Philistine <laughs> <laughs> how many stars would you give yourself out of five Lula? oh my god <laughs> one on a good day like I'm a woman born in America I have nothing but self-loathing so <laughs> Okay, I had a feeling you were going to say something like that. So I felt like I should. Ask. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking like three and a half. I was a little bummed just as like a very, 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 very low level uh, American history nerd. Like I don't actually pursue it, but I like I think I just had really high expectations. I think I was a little disappointed about it. It's a great portrait of Washington. It is. And maybe I should give it a four because it's like it is it is solid for what it is. I think I just wished that there was a little more meaning around why he matters now. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I could I mean, that would have been really interesting. That would have been like an awesome epilogue or something. Um, yeah, because I do think and she probably has a good handle on it. She probably has like a great take or thoughts on it. Yeah, I think arguably American history 
And like the creation of America should be more important now than ever. Right. Like these are weird times. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, obviously, she couldn't have predicted that her book would come out during like right after a presidential impeachment and right before a global pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, But it would have been nice to get a little more from it that way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lulu. All right. This was a goddamn delight. This was so fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, you get to pick the book next time. How's that? (laughs) Okay, deal. Deal. Amazing. It's 100% a comic book. Okay, bye. Extra bonus points for bringing props. That was so much fun. Just before we left, Lulu actually gave us some extra George Washington related homework that I think is really good. Erica Dunbar, who's another historian she mentioned, oh, yeah. did an awesome, was a guest on like an awesome podcast uh, episode of Uncivil, where they tell the whole story mm. of Ona Judge's escape and Washington's like rather relentless pursuit of her. And they tell it really like, uh, almost cinematically and it's it's a really good listen and another another a glimpse of another Washington that sounds super interesting that's from Gimlet's Uncivil podcast and the episode Lulu mentioned is called The Fugitive also I have some homework for you and that is to read Lulu's new book it's called Why Fish Don't Exist honestly it is amazing It's all about sort of, I don't know, making the best of uncertainty and finding beauty in chaos, which I don't know about you, but like that's extra apt right now. You could even say it's apt AF. Plus, you should probably just listen to the audiobook. That's what I did because Lulu narrates it and it is just such a pleasure. All right. I hope you enjoyed this month's book club. Next month's book is N.K. Jemisin's new sci-fi novel, The City We Became. If you're already a sci-fi nerd, perfect. You know all about this author and you are already on board. If you are not, let me just tell you that N.K. Jemisin was the first African-American woman to win a super fancy sci-fi award called the Hugo Award for her book, The Fifth Season. And then she won two more for the next two books in that trilogy. I am so excited to read this book. You should be too. Maybe you've never read sci-fi before. Give it a shot. Why not try something new? And then come back for our discussion of that book on May 29th. The show is produced by me, Greta Johnson, with help from Justin Bull. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. And hey, if you want to keep in touch with Nerdette, you've got options. Follow us on Instagram for book reviews. We're at Nerdette Podcast. You can join our Goodreads group by searching for Nerdette Book Club. And you can sign up for our weekly newsletter if you want a delightfully curated list of things to cook and read and watch and do. You can get that when you go to wbez.org slash AF. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.